everyone, welcome to our preview edition of the Dana Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. And Joe, uh, we're not going to talk about it in depth tonight, but I did see the sad news about Bobby Knight's passing at 83 years old. Um, one of the most successful coaches of all time in college basketball from what he did at Army, uh, of course, at Indiana, and then later in his career at Texas Tech. And, of course, he's also known for not just all of his national championships as three at Indiana, but, of course, his off-the-field antics and just his, his personality that was so abrasive. Um, truly one of a kind, and we will do him some justice uh, next week. Yeah, absolutely. Be able to talk more about him, you know, next week. But you're right, like definitely a sad, sad news. Yeah, uh, Joe, with with, uh, with Bobby Knight, though, it makes me think of our lock of the week. And Joe, uh, this is a, a theme that I've been kind of going off of on my locks of the week, and it's when. Georgia plays a team that doesn't have the talent they do, but everybody tries to build up an upset in some regard. It seems like that's when Georgia always lays down the the, the real dog ball, you know. You had, you had Kentucky earlier this year. They had just come off looking rough against Auburn and South Carolina, and everyone's like, oh, Kentucky's going to beat Georgia. Nah, Georgia beats them, what, 51-13, to 13, I think. Uh you know, this week they played Florida and they didn't have Brock Bowers. Everyone's like, they looked so bad against uh, against Vanderbilt last week and they lost Brock Bowers. Maybe this is time for Blaine Napier to get a signature win. No. <laughs> Kentucky puts up, uh, I mean, Georgia puts up 53 points, their most wins ever, the best points ever in the cocktail party, and beats them 53 to 20. We're joining Missouri this year. Uh, great story. The, the surprise team of the SEC, uh, a lot of drink runs is, I mean, I think right now he's a shoe in for SEC coach of the year. And they're sitting here at seven and one. And if they win this game, then they're in the driver's seat to, to win the SEC East. Uh, they're traveling to Georgia, which we know the kind of environment that Georgia has at home. And, I mean, and one thing that I found amazing about Georgia is regardless if you give them the 2.30 slot, the 11 a.m. slot, the 7 p.m. slot, it seems like that crowd is always lit and just hungry. And I think Missouri is walking into just an absolute uh, just bloodbath, you know, you know, meat grinder. I mean, Missouri had their chance at home to take on an LSU team that at that point had been struggling a little bit. Couldn't get that win. Of course, we know what LSU is now, and they've shown it since then. But in my mind, if Missouri couldn't beat an LSU team that was reeling at home and they gave up, I think, 49 points against them, I don't see how they have any chance to hang within the number on this. It's 15 and a half. I like Georgia in this game by at least 21, if not maybe even 30. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I can definitely see Georgia going out there and beating them pretty easily. Um, so yeah, that 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 would be really interesting to see how that uh, plays out. You know, since Georgia's in that part of their schedule where you know you do have some uh, some compelling matchups. Um, the one I'm looking at for the lock of the week is uh, Notre Dame Clemson. I see where uh, Notre Dame on the road at Clemson is favored by only three points, and I just think that Notre Dame's going to win this by a more comfortable margin than that. I think that I see Notre Dame winning this by probably at least seven to ten points. You know, based on Clemson already having four losses this year. And even though Notre Dame has two losses, I still think 
you know, they're, they're one of the best two loss teams in the country. I think the Notre Dame after LSU is the second best two loss team. I think that's what they're sitting at. Uh, they got a great defense. Uh, you know, Sam Hartman is still an excellent quarterback. Uh, they have, in my mind, the best quarterback, running back, uh, and defensive trio in the country. And, you know, they were just that close to beating Ohio State. And if they were sitting here with one loss right now, having lost to just Ohio State, or having beaten Ohio State and having one loss instead of having the two losses they have right now, then I think they'd still be a chance at a college football playoff team. But regardless, they're a team that still has a chance to make a New Year's Six Bowl. And I think they're, you know, they're going to end up finishing with a great season because, you know, the same Hartman is is always one that is, you know, he has a bad game every now and then, like he did against Louisville and the shocking upset they have. But he didn't let it carry over in the next week. And, I mean, what they went out and beat Pitt 58-6 to and, of course, laid it on USC too. So Notre Dame's been playing some good football lately. Oh, absolutely. They've been very uh, playing very well. And meanwhile, Clemson has just fallen off the face of the planet. Uh, you know, they started off the season with a pathetic loss to Duke, 28-7. to uh, They lost a really close game to Florida State at home in OT, uh, one where a defensive touchdown, ironically, is what uh, got the, the game to overtime. And then since then, uh, they've dropped one to Miami uh, in overtime. And, you know, I didn't get to watch it, Joe. There was a lot of talk about how Cade Klubnick made a, a wrong decision, I guess, on a read, and that was kind of what cost him the game. Uh, I, I didn't get to watch it. Uh, and then, you know, those are none of those are, you know, great losses by any means, but you can understand all of them. But then they lost to NC State last week, and this is not a good NC State football team. And, I mean, this is a ruling program. And Dabo is so angry right now and prideful that I don't know if you heard the the uh, the interview that he had with uh, was it Tyler from Spartanburg the, the on his call in show, but oh, it's just tragic, Joe. Uh, you know, he's talking to a guy who, you know, let's just say he doesn't sound like you know probably not somebody that's making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, on the mm-hmm. phone. And he, he this guy's asking Dabo to justify why he's getting paid so much and. Granted, the guy's being really rude. I mean, it was a, it was a rude call. And, I mean, Dabo, you know, if anybody deserves to have a bad season, it's him with what he's done at Clemson. I mean, Clemson was a good football program. They had a national championship back in, I think it was 1981 with Danny Ford uh, before he got there. They never had a sustained period like what they have right now with Dabo with two national championships. Uh four trips to the national championship game. And I think he said they had 12, 11 win seasons in a row. Uh, And now of course they're having a really bad season this year. And I think the whole transfer portal thing is transfer portal and IL has not been Clemson's friend, but this guy, uh, Tyler from Spartanburg, I mean, he says all these things about how Dabo, you know, shouldn't be getting paid this much and blah, blah, blah. And he starts comparing him to Tommy Bowden and Dabo just goes off on this guy. I mean, basically says, you want to apply for the Clemson job, you can have it. Uh, you know, don't don't challenge me. I've worked this hard to get from where I am to where, you know, to, to what, he's, what he's done now, talking about how he was a walk-on at Alabama, got a scholarship, how he started as like a GA making nothing and then worked up to being the head coach at Clemson. 
and that's all true. And I mean, he is an inspiring story, but I thought it was a very weird, prideful thing to like lash out at a fan like that on a call. I mean, you can tell that this uh, this failure that he's having this season is really getting to him. I don't think I've ever really seen a coach do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those moments, you know, it might have been satisfying to him, you know, in the moment, but that's definitely not something, you know, that is a good move. Um, he, he definitely should have taken the, taken the higher road in that situation. Yeah, it, it was a very weak moment, I thought, for him. And one that, you know, if you if you want to get the detractors off your back, that's not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, point being, though, uh, you know, this is a team that I, I think Dabo will eventually get them back, but I don't think it's going to be this season. I think this season's probably a wash for Clemson. And, I mean, you know, I think it's possible they may not even make a bowl game. I, I don't know. Uh, but I think that you know you're staring to the in the mirror right now of a probable six and six type season, and Joe is is an Auburn fan. That's I would love to to what, have Auburn have the chance to take on Clemson in a bowl game and just get them right now, you know, because uh, I've I've been in an Auburn Clemson game where we didn't win it, and I've been the one in the national champ season where we barely got them, but they've really kind of been a thorn in their side ever since we beat them in 2010, and. That in my mind, I've been like, "Who, man? That would be a good tantalizing bowl matchup that maybe we could win." Yeah, no, that that would be a good matchup, and I I could see that happening. Uh, you know, the way the the season's going for Clemson, and I think that it still throws me off seeing them with the four and four record. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the, they have the same record that Georgia Tech does, Joe, but not with the crazy uh, sideshow stats that we threw out last episode. Uh huh. No doubt. And hey, Georgia Tech gets them in the tenth game, which would be an odd, which would be an even one. Therefore, Georgia Tech should beat them. That's cool. Yep, that's, that's the way we go with the seesaw. Yeah, um, Joe. Speaking of seesaw, this LSU team has been an interesting seesaw. You know, uh, going into the season, a lot of people had them as the favorite to win the SEC West. I think it was pretty split between them and Alabama. First week of the season comes and they get obliterated by Florida State, which I call it. I thought Florida State was a better team than them. They would show it and they did. Uh, but then, you know, LSU, just their defense is playing very poor football. They go out and they lose to, to Ole Miss and just the ultimate track meet, 55 to 49. They go out the next week and they do beat Missouri. And a pick six is what gets it done for them. However, they give up 39 points, and for about three and a half quarters, their defense looked pretty poor. But since that time, their defense has really kind of gotten it together. Um, you know, they got to take on Auburn, which, you know, Auburn is generally the cure for all poor defenses. <laughs> but since that time, I mean, LSU's defense has only gotten better. I mean, they go out and uh, they beat Army 56 to nothing. And suddenly, you have the best offense in America. I mean, I think, you know, clearly the, the best offense, them in Washington, and you pair with an improving defense, and suddenly it's going to be a fascinating chess match between Brian Kelly and his offense and Nick Saban and his defense and, you know, what is just another great addition of the Alabama LSU rivalry. Yeah, and this was a year that you thought maybe earlier in the season this might be somewhat of an underwhelming game. And it's just kind of funny how it's, it's worked itself into still being the game of the week. Yeah. It's still the game of the week and it's, you know, it's still college game day. It's not the game of the century. 
You know, we've had a couple of those, like the 2011 Alabama LSU game that was nine to six, and then of course the the Joe Burrow and uh, Tua game in 2019. And those games both lived up to their billing and were just, you know, games between teams that were, you know, the two best teams in America. Uh, or at least, you know, at that time were college football playoff-ish type teams. Um, I don't know that this game is for that. Uh, I think both of those – they're both teams that I think are probably top ten teams – but I don't know that either one of them is a team that's going to make the college football playoff. But what this game is, Joe, is this is an elimination game that says if you don't win this, you're not going to make the college football playoff. Uh, we talked about it with LSU earlier. They have two losses, and it seems unlikely they can make the college football playoff. But it does seem like if they could win this and then go on that run, they have a chance. And Alabama, meanwhile – this would be their only loss in the SEC West. But you kind of feel like if they lose this game to LSU, then either LSU or Ole Miss is going to be the team that goes to the SEC championship and not Alabama based on the tiebreakers and Alabama getting the second loss. And I think with Texas not looking quite as good lately, I think this is definitely a game that you can write your college ball playoff chances off if you lose it. You know, I think so. And I was reading something or hearing something about uh, tiebreakers for the SEC West. And apparently um, one thing that I'm a little bit worried about for Ole Miss's sake is I think they look at um, the uh, opponent's record of your SEC East opponents can be like one of the tiebreakers. And so it may end up hurting Ole Miss having played Vanderbilt since they're going to have more losses, you know, than like, say, a Tennessee if you're Alabama. So, you know, I don't know how that's going to work itself out, but if you're on this, I think you probably need LSU to win this game to help you, you know, in that in that scenario because, you know, you're, you're kind of – you're struggling at this point to search for losses for Alabama if they don't lose this game. No, this is your best chance to have Alabama lose a game. Uh, you know, it's certainly possible that maybe if Auburn really gets their stuff together, you know, the Iron Bowl and Jordan Harris always a – is usually a comedy of horrors for Alabama – but that's only when Auburn has a good football team. And so, you know, Auburn needs to turn it around to have that opportunity. And you kind of feel like, too, whichever team wins this is going to have momentum going on the rest of the season. I mean, I would think that if LSU wins this game, they're probably going to win out and, you know, and maybe vice versa for Alabama. So I think this is this is a game that, you know, Ole Miss is sitting there. They have their chance. You know, they're going to have their chance against Georgia and, and the rest of the season after that. Uh, but this is the game that decides, you know, which of these two teams is going to stay in the race for the SEC West and for the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. That's right, Dan. And it's hard. It's so hard for me to pick a winner in this game. I, I feel like with it being in Alabama, I mean, that, that makes it tough for LSU. I mean, they rarely have won there, you know, when it's not a close game. You know, we think about the game of the century examples that you stated with the 2019 and 2011, both narrow LSU wins. But the more I think about it, I, I just think Jaden Daniels makes a difference in this game. And so I feel like LSU will find a way to win this. Like, it, I feel like it's going to be tough because it's Alabama, but – for some reason, I kind of feel like there's somewhat of a, a talent difference, too, in this game. I, I just feel like I like LSU's roster better than I do Alabama's, especially on the offensive side of me. Well, Joe, uh, you know, college football has really morphed a lot to me to where you could have teams that have great defenses that win championships, 
but you still got to have good offenses too. We look at Georgia the last couple of years. Have they had the excellent Kirby Smart defense? Yes, but their offenses with Stetson Bennett were, were good. They were not, you know, uh, they, they were not slapstick teams that, you know, would only beat you like 10 to 7. I mean, they've, they've been pressed and had to score some points. I mean, look at what they had to do against Ohio State. That was a game where C.J. Stroud and those excellent receivers, including Marvin Harrison Jr., made Georgia have to go out and score a lot of points to win, and Stetson Bennett had to have that excellent fourth quarter to win. And ultimately, in the games where it mattered, it was Georgia's offense that really got it done for them. And I kind of think nowadays college football paradigm has switched a lot to where I don't think you can win a national championship with a average to substandard offense. And I would say that Alabama has an average offensive best. I think Jalen Milrow is an improving quarterback. Uh, you know, he certainly is someone that has a lot of athletic ability, but he's not the best decision maker. He tends to be really bad in his reads on short passes. And while he's one of the most gifted deep ball throwers we have in college football right now, he's going to have to play a perfect game to beat LSU. Because even as good as Alabama's offense is, guess what? You have those circumstances where LSU gets first and goals against Alabama. They're not going to come out with field goals like Tennessee did. And the one time that Alabama played a really good offense at home, they got beat pretty handily by Texas. And that game could have been a lot worse. And, Joe, having been to see LSU in person when I went to that Auburn-LSU game, they are incredible on offense. And their defense is improving a lot. And from a talent standpoint, they look a lot better to me than Alabama does. They, they do. Like you just – you think about the eye test. You think about the, the skill players for LSU. You talk about how you need a good offense in this day and age. I mean, all those reasons to me, I just – it's harder for me to build a case for Alabama outside of maybe them forcing some turnovers. And I know that Ole Miss, you know, they have a prolific offense that beat LSU. I know they went in there to Tuscaloosa and, and played poorly from an offensive standpoint. But, but I, I feel like that was more Ole Miss really just not having a great game plan. Yeah, I, I don't think oh, I don't think LSU is going to go over there with that same mistake. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that was psychological, man. I mean, Kiffin really does. Like, he loses his mind when he plays Alabama. It's just the weirdest thing that I don't know whether he's ever going to fix it or not. But Brian Kelly, he's already beaten Alabama. He beat him last year with, I thought, a really, very well-coached game. And, of course, he had that great decision to go for the two-point conversion and got it uh, to beat him on the last play of the game with Mason Taylor. And, you know, I just think that they're not, they're not going to be scared of Alabama. They went toe-to-toe with them last year with a team that wasn't as talented as the team they have this year. And, Joe, it's kind of interesting that uh, I found a stat earlier today that I sent to you, and this really just speaks to the dominance of Nick Saban, but the last – the last person, the last quarterback to beat Alabama two years in a row was Drew Brees. Or excuse me, to beat a Nick Saban coach team two years in a row was Drew Brees when he was at Purdue and Saban was at Michigan State. Yeah, and, you know, it's a crazy stat. It's been a long time. And then also ironic, you know, with them, they, they could have been on the same team together with the Dolphins. And, you know, because the Dolphins didn't sign Brees, the rest is history as far as the Saints – and then, of course, with the Alabama. Right. I mean, uh, you know, there's been a couple of chances. Uh, you know, Chad Kelly had his chance, almost got it to get two in a row. Johnny Manziel had his chance, almost got it to get two in a row. But Saban was able to get the win in both of those in really tight games. 
Um, I mean, in my mind, Jaden Daniels right now is playing, I think, the best quarterback in America, uh, the, the, the best player at the quarterback position in America, and his receivers are really just kind of lighting it up from neighbors to Thomas. And they're starting to get a really good run game too, which I think is a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit underwhelming with LSU. No one's really talking about it, but Logan's a really solid running back. And one thing that Texas did against Alabama is they ran the ball pretty well against them. I, I think your stat for this game, Joe, is as good as Alabama's defense is 150. If LSU gets more than 150 yards rushing, they win. Uh, I mean, I think Jaden Daniels is going to get 300 yards passing. I, I don't care how good Alabama's defense is. You're a crazy lunatic if you think that he's not going to get 300 yards passing. But the rushing is the key stat right there. I think 150 yards rushing, I think that can kind of tip it. Yeah, I can see that being an important stat. And and I think that Daniels, to me, he's coming into this game with so much confidence. Like he's lighting it up similar, you know, to Johnny Manziel coming in there 11 years ago. And I think that their offense executes – almost on an NFL level at times, like the precision that he's throwing some of those balls to the receivers, the, the rhythm they have to me, it's just, um, it, it's larger than college at times. Oh yeah. I mean, like I said, I saw it in person. I mean, he throws just beautiful touch passes and of course he's so mobile. And one thing that has been a staple in Alabama losses over the years has been mobile quarterbacks have always gotten to him. And, you know, Jane Daniels already has one win over him when he wasn't playing football the way he was this season. And, yeah, I, I like LSU in this one. And, I, you know, I think that, uh, of course, it being in Tuscaloosa is going to make a difference. But we've already seen Alabama lose one game at home this year to a team that was better than them. Yeah, they, they have. And, you know, let's see uh, how, you know, what, imagine what that would be like if Brian Kelly goes 2-0 and against him. Yeah, I mean, uh, that would be something. I don't know that there's ever been a coach that was 2-0 and against Saban. Because uh, Les Miles did win two games in a row against Nick Saban, and so did Hugh Freeze, but they had already lost some before that happened. Yeah, and I know that Kelly you know, has lost two in, in previous stops, but being yeah. at a new school and being 2-0 and record against him in the SEC would be something. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, of course, what happened to you know BK when he was at Notre Dame against Alabama, but we're talking about in the SEC. That's a very impressive stat. So right. I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be quite the game, but I definitely like you know I like the offensive skill power of LSU to rule the day on this one. I think so. Uh, Joe, interesting game for Ole Miss. Uh, you know, they got a, a Texas A&M team that has so much talent, uh, also has a really great defense. Uh, coming into Oxford, and, and Joe, I would say that if this game was in College Station, I would be really worried about it, especially with Ole Miss traveling to Georgia next week and you know looking forward to taking on the number one team. But I, I, I cannot say how happy yeah. I am that this game is in uh, is in Oxford. Yeah, I mean, the, the only cause for concern would be, you know, like you said, the look ahead to Georgia. It's also um, the 11 o'clock uh, kickoff and then finally the athletes that A&M inevitably has you know they may not always be able to put it together but they obviously have a lot of five-star players in different positions on both sides of the football but I think that with Ole Miss being at home and with the execution that Kiffin has gotten the offense on lately especially in the first half last week the defense playing better um, I think most people are expecting a pretty close game but 
I, I think that I see Ole Miss winning this game. I think that Ole Miss is, is kind of laser focused right now where they see the opportunity ahead. And I'm not saying they're going to beat Georgia the week after, but I feel like they are determined to go into that game with a 7-1 and record. I think so too, Joe. And, and one thing that Kiffin has done historically well is he beats Jimbo Fisher in A&M. I mean, he's undefeated right now against A&M since he's been Ole Miss's coach. And you can tell this is one he takes kind of delight in. It seems like he's got a little bit of an animosity towards Jimbo Fisher, and he tends to be very focused when he gets his game plans together for him, including what I thought was a very impressive win last year on the road. Um, And I think that, you know, this is going to be a game where I think the defense is going to rule the day. I think that's the reason that Ole Miss gets the win. Um, A&M's offense had a lot of struggles this year. Max Johnson started off pretty good when he came in off the bench against Auburn, but since that time, he's thrown a lot of stuff on his back foot. He's been very immobile, and their offense has had some real puzzling losses, including when they went to Tennessee, their defense gave up less than 200 yards, and they still lost the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a microcosm of the season. So I just I, – I don't trust A&M enough to win this game. Um, I think that Johnson, like you said, can be good at times, but I, I, I just think he's not going to be able to make enough throws. And I think that uh, just the game plan of the Ole Miss with Judkins getting healthier, you know, with uh, uh, the complimentary running game that we're seeing, you know, with other guys that can come in there like Bentley and still have a lot of production. To me, that's improved a lot. And then, of course, Dart has just gotten so much better this year. Uh, absolutely. I mean, he's making a lot less mistakes, which is going to be really big against a very opportunistic uh, Texas A&M defense. Um, let me say this, though, Joe. This is a fascinating game for me from Jimbo Fisher's standpoint because I almost feel like uh, A&M sitting there now with three losses, right, because they, uh, they lost to Alabama, they lost to Miami, and they lost to Tennessee. If they lose this, they'll be down to five and four, and they still have LSU on the horizon. Um, you know, I wonder, Joe, uh, does does Jimbo need to win one of these games? Does he need to beat either LSU or Ole Miss to keep his job this year? I mean, I know it's crazy with this buyout, but with all the pressure of Oklahoma and Texas both having great seasons coming into the SEC and seemingly destroying this incredible recruiting advantage that that A&M has had for the last, you know, whatever, 13 years they've been in the SEC – um, does he need to show a little bit of signs of improvement and not have an eight and five season, have at least a nine win season in order to keep his job? I think he needs to. I mean, I think even, you know, with the nine win season, a lot of people are upset, but especially you know, if this gets out of hand, if you as expected lose to Ole Miss and LSU, yeah, I think that spells trouble. I, I don't know if, if the fans are going to be patient enough. I, I, I would lean towards no at this point. I kind of think so too, Joe. I think he needs to win one of these games where he's not supposed to. And because you think about it, like all the games that they played this year where they were supposed to, you know, they needed to win, they weren't supposed to, they had their chances at the end and couldn't get it done. Now, Miami, they weren't supposed to lose that game. They just got boat raced. But against Tennessee and against Alabama, they had great opportunities and their offense cost them. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, they're going to have to – 
I mean, what it boils down to, they're, they're going to have to upset somebody, you know, in order to to keep his job, I think. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a problem right now for, for Jimbo and, and his offense, which started off the season pretty hot, but has really chilled out lately. Um, Joe, speaking of a team that, you know, that is hot, uh, Texas – uh, lost Quinn Ewers. I don't know if it's for the rest of the season, is at least for a couple weeks. I thought last week was a little bit of a scary game for him. Um, BYU is not a great football team, but they're a solid football team, and they're they're not a team that's very easy to go out and, and beat pretty badly. But with their backup quarterback Malik Murphy, uh, not Arch Manning, uh, they beat um, they beat BYU. I think thirty five to six, and so now they got Kansas State coming in. And Kansas State is a team that had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of hype going into the season. Uh, of course, they they made the Sugar Bowl last year after winning the Big 12 and, of course, being the only team to beat TCU in the regular season. Uh, they've had a little bit of a weird season. They started off really good. They dropped that game to Missouri on the 62-yard field goal from the thicker kicker. Uh, and then uh, they got beat pretty handily by Oklahoma State but since then, I think they've they've had rattled off a couple pretty big wins. I think they beat TCU pretty badly. And this is an interesting game right here because Kansas State is is a team that usually is is very disciplined. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And this is a game that's at Texas, which helps them a lot. But I'm kind of fascinated by this one, seeing what Malik Murphy can do in his second start against a team that can get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's true. I think that. You know, Texas, the, you know, the, we always joke about the Texas is back, you know, joke um, the last few years, last several years. Uh, so you could easily see them losing this game. Um, I think, though, them being at home, um, I like them. I, I feel like um, it's setting up where they're going to be able to make it to the Big 12 championship game. And I think that, you know, in order for them to do that, have that chance uh, to still have college football playoff hopes, they've got to win this game. And so, I would be surprised if they didn't pull it off. Yeah, Joe, I'm leaning Texas on this one, too. If this was in the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas, I would maybe consider taking Kansas State in this. But I really was highly impressed with the way Texas handled, you know, their first game without Quinn Ewers uh, with a solid BYU team. And they've been playing really well at home this year. So I expect Texas to get the win. But, you know, this could be one that's a 7-10 to 10 point game. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Um. Joe, the most exciting game in the Big 12 to me, and maybe the most exciting game this entire weekend, is Bedlam in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State started off this year just atrocious. I mean, there was probably some people that were considering, is this the end of the Gundy era? era? I mean, you know, there's there's been so many times where, you know, he's been so outlandish, he's gotten after it with his athletic director. You know, he's flirted with a Tennessee job, but, of course, ultimately – he was the quarterback at the most successful era ever of Oklahoma State football before he became the head coach when they had Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas and everything in the 80s. And he's now been the Oklahoma State head coach, I think, since 2003? Five, I think. 2005. He's the yeah, when st- Miles went to LSU. Yeah, like the same year that Miles went. That's right, when Miles went to LSU, yeah. I think he's now the, the third longest tenured coach in America after Kirk Ferentz and Kyle Whittingham. And, you know, the reason why is he can do these turnarounds. I mean, they go out and they get just obliterated by South Alabama 
and just an unimaginably embarrassing loss. And this is not a great South Alabama team either. I mean, they're not Tulane or anything like that, or even Troy. Uh, they 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 dropped two games early, including that one, and everyone's ridden off Oklahoma State. And then you just see they pull off this huge upset against Kansas State. Uh, they they beat Kansas, and they're just looking so good right now. And suddenly. The last bedlam in the regularly scheduled rivalry, because now Oklahoma is going to the SEC. Uh, Gundy has said he doesn't want to play Oklahoma because they made the decision to leave Oklahoma State out to dry. It's in Stillwater, and I mean, Joe, I think everything's lining up for what's going to be a spirited upset by the Pokes. I can see it. Uh, I think they're they're probably going to win the game. Um, you know, Oklahoma to me seemed a little bit vulnerable. Uh, even before the loss, you talked about the lot, the near loss to UCF the week before. And so uh, to me, they would be kind of vulnerable anyway, but what a job by Oklahoma state. Um, I told you before the show, like I didn't really realize how well, how well they were playing because um, I really kind of wrote them off. I think like a lot of people earlier in the year. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of people wrote them off and I mean, they haven't just been winning lately. They've been killing people. They beat Kansas state and TCU both really badly and, you know, they're just on fire. Meanwhile, Oklahoma's going the other direction. I, Joe, I'll be honest, I was never quite the real believer in Oklahoma this year. I still thought they had such a long way to climb. And, you know, I thought Venables had done a good job. But getting Oklahoma up for the Texas game, that's one thing. But maintaining it doesn't seem like that's happening. And this is going to be, you know, we saw the way Oklahoma was motivated against Texas they're going to get that and then some and how much this game is going to mean to Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that that adds to it and kind of gives them that gives them that emotional advantage. Right. And, Joe, by the same token, I think you're going to see the same thing in Washington and USC. I think Washington's going to have to go to the Coliseum to take on USC. And Washington is a team kind of like Oklahoma that – they just kept kind of going a little less and a little less. They had their signature win over Oregon, and each week they just seemed to be a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And it's not against great teams that they've been playing, you know, kind of this sloppy football. And I think this USC team, uh, you know, they, they've they gone through their trauma. They have what happened against Notre Dame and, of course, Utah. But I thought that was a real big win for them last week to get that 50-49 to 49 victory and have that big comeback and show that they care uh, they, they care about Lincoln Riley. They care about, you know, doing what they can for Alex Grinch, even on defensive side of it. And I think that this is uh, a game that USC is going to show, hey, we're still in the Pac-12 race, and I think Washington drops this one. I can see it. I mean, it would be standard, typical Pac-12 for uh, Washington right. to lose this game. And I think, too, you know, Michael Penix Jr., as good as he's been, there have been a few games lately, you know, you talk about the team not playing as well where his numbers have not been as efficient. Yeah, I mean, and meanwhile, Caleb Williams, he's had one bad game against Notre Dame, and, and that's it. And, you know, Notre Dame's got a very good defense. So I think that's something that he can be forgiven for. And I think this is going to be a huge, uh, you know, a huge showcase for him because – Let's say that everyone's right and Caleb Williams really is a me, me, me guy. Then what's the best way to elevate yourself? It's to beat out the other guy who could be considered as a number one overall draft pick. Mm-hmm. That's true. So I think there's just a lot of motivation for USC and Caleb Williams to really ball out in this one. Right, right. 
Uh, Joe, the last one they want to talk about, it's not, it's very low on the list of games, but I was just more interested. You know, we talked about with Jimbo Fisher, does he need to have an upset over a team like Ole Miss or LSU to keep his job? I think you see the same thing as another team in the SEC West with Sam Pittman. Um, Sam Pittman, I think, to a large degree, is a victim of his own success. I mean, Arkansas was so downtrodden when he took it over, but he did so good for the first couple of years. And now, I mean, suddenly Arkansas has got a little bit of the same thought that A&M is because with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league, that's Arkansas's main recruiting area too. I mean, they really get the vast majority of their players out of Texas. And if Texas and Oklahoma come in strong, that's going to hurt them in the future too. And, you know, this is a really rough season right now. Uh you know, they, they're winless in the league. You saw them lose 7-3 to three to Ole Miss and fire their offensive coordinator, which you generally don't survive as a head coach midseason coordinator fires. That's usually a sign of what's going to come. Mm-hmm. And they're taking on Florida this week, and Florida's not a great team, mind you, but they're they're decent. They've had some, some good wins. And I think that Sam Pittman needs to either win this game or the Auburn game to keep his job. Yeah, I think so, Dan. Um, I look at um, the the way uh, you know this year's gone for Arkansas, but not just the tailspin of the losses, but we talked about before on the show that even when he's been ranked in previous seasons, um, when they had you know a healthy roster, they've lost some games to ranked opponents by um, a wide margin. You know, they weren't really competitive in the in some of those games, and so I think that's hurting. And, and, and I think that um, you know. As the SEC is growing, adding those teams in, as you talked about, they're going to, um, you know, uh, conflict with their um, recruiting territory. I can see Arkansas, if he slips up here, kind of wanting to go after a coach with a little bit more name recognition. Uh, I guess somebody that has a Wikipedia page. Yeah, that's right. Because Sam Pittman didn't even have a Wikipedia page. Uh, mm-hmm. Lance Leipold would also be a great hire at Arkansas in the rebuilding guy. Um, yeah, he would be. So uh, that'd be one I'd watch out for right there. Uh, I want you to watch out for us in the future and check out all of our upcoming episodes. I want to thank you for listening to this. And of course, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And of course, uh, listen to us on Spotify. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.